Hello and welcome to the We Are The They podcast. My name is Jimmy Rex and I am the founder of We Are The They, a group and a community committed uh, to becoming the best versions of ourselves through being vulnerable, authentic, and in integrity. And in this podcast, we hope to bring you the stories, the real stories of the men that are a part of this movement, that are part of this community. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Welcome to another episode of the We Are The They podcast. Today I uh, am highlighting another one of our original members of the original 50 group. That's Cody Broderick. And Cody is a legend of a human being. Him and I have known each other literally since junior high school. And somebody that I've been able to watch his success as he's grown his business, dealt with uh, difficult things that have come and, and how he's been able to rebuild and all the things that he's done. He's just a person I look up to in every way. And uh, I wanted to share this podcast with our audience. So here is the podcast with me and Cody Broderick. I'm here today with Cody Broderick, and this is a treat for me. Cody's one of my longest, uh, longstanding friends that I have. I met Cody back in junior high school, and he now runs a company called In What Language. He's got hundreds of employees um, all over the world, in fact, and and just killing it with his business. And so, Cody, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks, man. I'm I'm really excited to be here. Like, I'm I'm really excited. Thank yeah, you. I always love like interviewing people that I've known for a really long time because when I first met you, kind of dive back a little bit before we. Get into your business and everything that you do. But um, when I first met you, I don't know if you remember this or not, like I was in junior high and there was a bully in the school. And I just love this story because it's so accurate. It was just, it describes you so well. There was this bully. So you guys got to understand that like we were all getting picked on for like years by this big kid. And, uh, and Cody moved in, I think, and you were in eighth or ninth grade. Yeah. And yeah. all of a sudden, like we heard that a fight broke out between the new kid and the bully. And basically, to sum it up, you kind of kicked his ass. <laughs> and everybody, like, from that day forward, you were, like, a little bit of a hero to all of us because you were kind of, like, and he was much bigger than you, but, like, whatever background you came from, you just were not intimidated. So <laughs> tell us a little bit. Uh, <laughs> do you remember that? Yeah, no, I do remember it, actually. That guy was rude, man. He was he was so mean to everybody. He would, he would just, you know, talk down to everybody and make everybody feel bad, and he would push kids into lockers and... You know, it was just so frustrating. So one time he just took it too far with this with this real small kid. And I said, man, you need to pick on somebody your own size. That's ridiculous. You don't do that. And then he pushed me and said, you want to take this outside? And I'm not going to say what I said right now on the podcast. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. It would start bleeping. But I, I'm like, let's do this. Let's go. I'm done. I'm going to bury you. <laughs> so we went outside and... Yeah, just um, just unleashed on him a little bit. Yeah. So. so, did you have like a background of like fighting training or what? Because like you were just you were different in, than the rest yeah, of us in that actually, way. Actually, so I mean, to give you some story, some depth. I grew up in Murray, Utah, and I grew up, you know, in an LDS home and family, a Mormon family. Went to church, got straight A's, was a good student, and then I moved when I was twelve, and I moved in with uh, my parents divorced when I was five, so I moved back in with my mom. And my mom was, you know, at the time, it was just a bad environment. My mom's kind of always struggled with addiction and things like that. So I got into an environment where my oldest sister got pregnant at 16. My other sister that was 14 was goofing around because my mom was out and about. She wasn't a mom. She was sort of a friend, really, in all, in all reality. And um, <clears throat> so I just start, I started hanging out with some, some of the wrong groups. And I was experimenting with things I shouldn't have been experimenting with. And I was getting into like the gang scene and you know how old were you at those I time? was 12 okay yeah so yeah I was growing up really fast I had a paper out when I was 10 years old it was my first job 
because I wanted to buy, my parents were shopping at JCPenney and Mervyn's and it really frustrated me. I was like, <laughs> I want your bows and I want guest jeans. I'm not wearing these like Lee brand or XJ900 <laughs> shoes. Like I want Nikes. My dad's like, you're going to have to get a job. So I started delivering papers. But at 12, I moved out and um, yeah, I just kind of started getting my nose into bad things. And to answer your question, I did. I got into a lot of fist fights. Um, and there were, there was actually a lot of anger. I think I've, I've, I've kind of worked through a lot of this stuff. There was some anger built up from youth with like a divorce and things I kept inside. And, um, so I think a lot of that anger came out when I would get in fights. And, um, so, and, but I was never the guy that like went around looking for, fights. no, 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 you weren't, you were like, you were, you were always like such a nice guy, but at the same time you could tell that there was like a roughness or something that like, Hey, this dude's not going to be intimidated by you. Like this dude's been around the block a, a little bit, you know, it wasn't like a meanness from you. It was mm-hmm. more just like a, almost like a confidence in that. Yeah. In I sense. think that, I think that, um, I've always sort of moved at the beat of my own drum, you know, like I've always, I've never been a sheep. I've always been sort of a shepherd and I've always tried to be a leader in, in some some aspect. And at a young age, I didn't really know what that meant. But but back then, it was just like, you know, I'm not going to put up with anything from anybody if it's wrong. Yeah. And so some of the some of the bullies and some of the kids that were just not um, not nice, th- that's who I targeted. Because I wanted, I wanted people to feel good. I wanted them to feel equal and I wanted them to feel yeah. safe. And so I remember fighting that kid for sure. <laughs> well, and I wanted to start with that because, I mean, we, have, we we do a lot of charity stuff together now. We yeah. did the 5K um, last year. And um, tell us a little bit about that because I want to kind of – how did you evolve? You said you processed through some of the issues from that childhood. That's yeah. – you know, I appreciate you getting a little vulnerable with that. And so yeah. kind of how did you work through that and become CEO, founder of this huge company? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think that impact or service has always been like dear to my heart, like – um, my dad has always been like, work hard, um, serve others, you know, give back, be tough. And so those principles just when I was in youth was, was really big. Um, and I, I, you know, I've w- always worked hard. I've always been an entrepreneur up through my teens and early 20s, um, through grad school and things. And I just always knew that I wanted a foundation of a company to use profit for purpose, capitalism for cause, or to create a big impact. And one of the things that resonated for me that's really kind of stuck with me forever is when I heard a story of a woman that died giving birth to uh, twins. And then when she was like basically in, there was this, this period of about a minute before they, they brought her back. And she, she vividly describes this moment as seeing like a massive wave, uh, almost like a pyramid style, uh, of visually can seeing people that she's positively affected in her life. She was a teacher. So she's teaching kids and then they're teaching someone and they're teaching someone. So she's like, you know, um, I think the most impactful thing you can do in life is, is help others, is share knowledge, is give back and serve others. And for me, you know, I'm, I'm Christian and I like if you think about the concept of living Christ-like, it's like serving others or giving back. I feel best when I'm outside of myself and I'm giving to other people. Or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really giving to someone else. So it's always been core to who I am. Um, and, and, and now, like at my company now, we do, we give 1% of revenue, not profit, revenue back to certain partners to help refugees in, in, uh, in Salt Lake integrate with the communities to help um, people in Africa in, in these remote villages learn how to take medication, uh, learn what to do in a disaster if there's a disease outbreak and they don't know where to go. Meanwhile, you and I are sleeping on our two, $3,000 mattress, and these people, literally millions of people, 
um, in, in crisis scenarios. Communication, what we do at Translation, is as important as food, water, and shelter. So thinking creatively and going, how can I use my company to either improve lives or save lives through language, through translation and technology, we've identified it. And we're, we're, we're empowering our global workforce, all of our translators everywhere around the world, to get out in their communities and do good. And they get rewarded for it. So imagine thousands of people around the world looking at grants and rewards and all these ways they can just get out in their community, do good, serve others, and be rewarded for it. So that's my, my vision. I'm kind of getting sidetracked. No, this is bit, awesome. Yeah, so my vision is to put a huge dent in the world of, uh, of people out. Now, what we're doing with refugees and, help, and bridging that integration gap, and we specifically work at schools like Granite School District here in Utah. They speak 73 different languages, wow. K through 6. There's 6,400 students. And so our technology comes in, and we're the, we are the chatbot solution. So the teachers and the parents can chat, Farsi, Dari, Arabic, Urdu. We, we're a voice solution in under 20 seconds in over 160 languages. We're a video solution. So if you, if you speak a different language, and I'm the teacher, and it's like, okay, we need someone on video. It's an app people can push, and the teacher and the, and the parent can have a dialogue. Um, so we're, we're this A to Z solution for schools to be able to communicate and, and break all those problems. When what's really exciting is the school districts now want to put funding behind it. It wasn't even a sales vertical. I was and that's, well, at. and that's like a huge medium for these refugees, like like you said, because you know you think that the issues they have are like clothes, shelter, food, but if they can't communicate, they can't really prosper and grow. And so that's kind of where you guys have stepped in. Yeah. And so explain a little bit, back up a little bit, because we kind of jumped a little bit there. And yeah. explain a little bit more what you guys do it, it, in what language. Yeah, like, yeah, how does absolutely. That work? So, so, yeah, I'll start. So you heard a little bit of the why. I mean, mm. why we exist and the purpose of why we exist is to improve lives and save lives through language, technology, and solutions. So what we do specifically is we translate anything you can imagine, documents, audio, video, software, marketing collateral in over 200 languages. We built a technology platform that's similar to Uber, but it's with documents and everything like that. So we enable this on-demand rapid ability for people to load content, primarily companies and organizations and government. We, we sort of stay away from consumers like birth certificates and things, but um, the ability for them to load it and then the technology on the back end for the translators who are all over the world. I mean, it doesn't matter if they're on the beach, in an airplane, on a train, wherever. If they're available or online, sort of like a driver, mm -hmm. and they've been vetted and tested and certified, we have about a 12% pass rate. So we work with the best native speakers. They can accept a job by language and subject matter. So if, say, for example, it's like, you know, uh, Spanish, and it's a legal document um, for a medical device. Then there's a certain linguist that can only work on those projects, and when they come in, they can see them, they're available, they can grab them, bid on them, and start working on them. Wow. So how did you come up for the idea of this? Did you have a tech background or did you, like, what was, what spawned the idea to come up with this? So my so undergrad's in finance. I studied finance. I've always been a sales guy. I've always been just an entrepreneur, networker, just, you know, trying to figure it out. And um, there was a moment when I was like, well, should I go get my MBA um, or should I do something that really challenges me, you know? And at that moment, I actually it decided to study computer science and information systems. Yeah. So um, I knew it was going to be a really challenging road, uh, road to, to get into a grad program where I'm studying something that's a major weakness for me, like how to build databases, how to write in Java, you know, emerging web technologies, data mining, data science, um, all these things. But I knew it would be significant 
in the way I could build my company, architect it, and prepare it for three, five, and seven years and start to deploy my business background, sort of merging like, you know, the two of them, my business background and finance background, sales with like, okay, and now I know what to build and how to build it and how to align those teams and recruit. Well, I think there's a, something that you said in there is you chose something that, which made me laugh a little bit. The MBA wasn't going to challenge you, so you did mm-hmm. something more challenging, something Absolutely. that you were completely foreign to you. Yeah. And so, like, when people that are listening to this podcast are having a little bit of trouble figuring out what they want to do yeah. uh, next, I mean, do you recommend most people to do something like that, like find the thing that challenges you the most? Or what, what, what was Absolutely. the benefit of doing that for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's no growth in comfort, right? Learning takes place on the edge. And yeah. if you're not uncomfortable with what you're trying to do and how you're trying to grow, you're not growing at a good rate. You're not growing at a good pace. So I would say be fearless. I would say engage those areas of life that you know that are most beneficial that scare the shit out of you. Those things that you don't want to do but you know you need to. To give an example, I mean, when I was – my class, you know, to kind of profile people really, was a lot of people in India, a lot of people that were Asian and from, you know – and we had tons of international students. I think like 50 or 60 percent of our cohort of my, of my grad program were for interna- international. You know, and I would come in and I'd be like, Balab, how late were you up last night? Like I was up for six hours and he was like, you know, it took me like two hours to do my homework. And I'm like, what? What? It's ridiculous. Because had a huge edge. On yeah, huge time. edge. And then it's like, if we were writing a marketing plan or a business plan, lights out. Yeah, sure. I mean, that would have been easy for me, you know. And I think a lot of people in life in general, they take the easy, they mm. take the easy street. Well, they take something like, like a little not resume notch and all these things, but it doesn't challenge them. They're not really growing. Well, it's something that one of my weaknesses that I've always had is um, the numbers inside of my business. And to give an example of something that that you know I did that I would say would be the wrong way. When I was at uh, Arizona State, I was getting my master's in real estate development. And we had an Excel class. And I didn't get it. I'd never used Excel. And to this day, I'm not good at those things, right? I have to hire them out and do those things, which I wish I was better at it. But at the time, I was so swamped trying to run my business here and trying to stay afloat with eight classes in one semester at ASU that the finance class that we did Excel, the professor... At the beginning of the semester, he, when, when he started, he said, hey, if you guys don't know how to do this, here's my personal cell phone number. We can meet before or after class. And I had this idea. This is how I am. Like, I'm kind of an idiot because I should have taken advantage and actually learned it. What I did is I knew if I bugged him enough that he would just eventually pass me. And so I went in literally the first day and I like 20 minutes after class, I like sat there. And I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea. I literally didn't know how to put my name on an Excel sheet at the time. And... Uh, and, and then that night I called him for like 10 minutes and I'm going through the homework and he's just like, oh my gosh, this kid is such an idiot. And then the <laughs> next day I meet again at class. He literally, he stops me and he goes, look, dude, most people in the class are here. He holds his, ha- his <laughs> oh, hand about, man. you know, uh, the chest high. And he uh-huh. goes, the goal is to get him to here. And he puts his hand like, you know, head high. And he goes, you're about right here. <laughs> he puts his hand like at his feet. And he goes, if we could just get you up here to my knees, <laughs> I'm going to give you an A, okay? And he realized really quick I was the idiot in the class. But, you know, and it was interesting because, like, that's a weakness of mine. And it's actually something I still to this day want to learn. And I give you a lot of credit because you took the extra time to learn it. I could tell I was behind everyone else. So I kind of just tossed in the talent and said, I'm going to always have to hire this out. 
But because of that, I didn't ever understand the numbers like I needed to in a lot of ways. And to this day, it's a weakness of mine. Mm-hmm. So as another example of maybe how not to do it, or I was kind of trying to take the easy route, which temporarily worked. I passed the class. And, you know, the last day of graduation, he pulled me aside. He's like, by the way, I know you're not an idiot. Okay, <laughs> It's like, you know, but anyway, it was just kind of a, so that's really cool. So that, so you dove into, I mean, you full on learned this entire thing that you had no idea about. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it was really painful man and it, in a way it was stressful and it was uh it was hard it was challenging and it kept me up I was I was building the company while I was working on grad school while I was being a dad while I was traveling while I was doing everything I could so you know this concept of keeping my mind my body healthy keeping my energy levels high and giving things a hundred percent was really critical but I knew the importance of challenging myself I knew the importance of of just doing something different. Like if I want different results, you know? Well, and you still do that now. I mean, one thing I like about following you on Instagram and social media is you're always posting the stuff you do throughout the day. You do a lot of affirmations and you have your things. Tell us a little bit about your daily routine, what you do to stay sharp and to keep this energy. Yeah, I use the app Productive. I really like the app Productive. I'm a human being, so I make tons of mistakes and I don't remember to do things. And like everyone else, I get into bad habits. Like I just, I get into habits and You know, if you think about that as people, like we drive home the same way, we eat the same food, we watch the same programs, we go to the same websites, we use the same apps. Like we just dig these ruts of like bad habits over time. So breaking those, you got to be really intentional about that. So I use the app Productive and I actually write out my day and I've taken it from experts, like really. I mean, um, you've given me two books that I absolutely love, Tools of Titans and Tribe of Mentors. Mm -hmm. Love those books. And it, it's basically these short blurbs of some of the smartest, most accomplished people in the world, what they do. And then Tim Ferriss has basically kind of put all that in a funnel and is like, here's the recipe for life. Right. So follow Tim Ferriss, first of all. Yeah, this, this podcast is kind of engineered a little bit after kind of the way he does it. Yeah, I love and, you know, he does three-hour interviews. I can't get people like you to sit down for three hours, so I make them 40 minutes. But at the same time, I think that everybody has these little pearls. And one day, maybe I'll t- make a book out of all these interviews yeah, once I've got a couple. Absolutely. It's, it's like wisdom, like sharing. <laughs> it's awesome because everyone has their own unique style. And when, you, when you're smart enough to say authentically, like, hey, look, I love Tony Robbins. I'm a Tony diehard Tony Robbins fan. Yeah, we were supposed to go to Business Mastery <laughs> and then you bailed on me. <laughs> I, know, I know. Really? I really wish I was there with you for that. I'm sorry I didn't miss that. <laughs> That's okay. um, so I, I like, uh, I take some, some knowledge that already exists. Like, you know, like if you want to be intentional about like, how can I set up my morning? Like wh- Tim Ferriss says, win the morning, win the day. Mm-hmm. Win the morning, win your day. So I wake up and I think of five to 10 uh, gratitude thoughts, gratitude exercise, happy thoughts. I mean, from like, hey, man, I'm really thankful for these socks I have on my feet. I'm really thankful for these Wheaties that I'm eating right now. I'm thankful for the relationship I have with you. I'm thankful for the sun that's coming up because it's beautiful. I'm thankful that I get to think right now, you know, that I had someone, that, you know, a creator for me to, to I feel like, fill my heart with gratitude is the first step. Then I move into my affirmations, like things that I'm challenging myself with to grow. Like, I am learning to. I am this. You know, I am driven, I am focused, I am, these are just examples, but some of my favorites, I, I define what I want, I define how to get there, I take action, I'm always getting better. I you, define you do this every I, day. Every single day, yeah. like a robot. Yeah. yeah. And I have my son do it. My yeah, I saw that, your little boys, and how old are they? Eight and five. And how has this affected them since they've been doing their affirmations? Man, it's awesome. I mean, uh, it, it's incredible. You know, we do, we do happy thoughts, gratitude thoughts, affirmations, and we pray. 
So they're, they're connecting with their creator. And then um, we're really intentional about the goals and things that we want to do and what they want to do. I mean, really simple, right? This idea of turning a dream into a reality, Marcus is like, hey, my, Marcus is my eight-year-old son. You know, what do you want to do this year, buddy? Anything, anything you can imagine. I want to jump off. Um, let's see, last year I jumped off a 10-foot cliff at Lake Powell. I want to do a 15-foot cliff this year. Whoa. All right. It's a thought. We make it. We write it down. That's the first process. I'm like, okay, write it down. Then we make it visual. And I have my vision board right over there, actually. I could share it with you if you want to see it in a second. Yeah, for the video side of this. Um, then we, we, we make it visual. And then we describe vividly what, what, what's that going to feel like if you do that. How are you going to feel? What do you think the water is going to feel like? What's it going to smell like? You think the weather's going to be hot? Is it going to be really hot? What's your swimsuit like? You know, who, how are you feeling? Once you're done, how do you feel? So I get his brain thinking about the future and thinking about having something, creating something, wrapping in his emotions around actually having something come to pass. Like thinking about what it'll be like in that moment, how he'll feel, then he's going to work towards it. He's going to want to attach himself to that work towards it. He thinks about it. We make it, we write it, we make it visual. We attach a timeline to it. Well, and I love the idea of like actually putting yourself in that moment and feeling it, right? A lot of uh, high elite performance athletes have talked similarly that they do this with, you know, winning championships and visioning um, how they hit the baseball or how they throw a touchdown pass, things like that. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that too many times people live by kind of whatever happens to them. They just kind of take it for what it is. And so I love the idea of waking up intentionally going about designing your life. You're building your entire life by design as opposed to letting your life just come to you, whatever it might be, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love that you just said the word intention um, and waking up every morning with intention. Intention is actually right on my vision board. It says speak, love, live with intention, right? That means you're thinking about who, who you want to be, what you're doing, why you're doing it, where you're going, who you're spending time with. It's very intentional, right? Mm -hmm. And I wake up that, that way, and I, and I think that way with intention, with what I'm trying to do in my life. It's, it's critical, because like you just said a minute ago, I think people in life are very reactive to things. Something happens, and then they respond to it. They're not being proactive towards where they want to go, what they want to do, how they want to achieve things, what they want to get done. I mean, life, man, we're going to blink, and we're going to be 70. Yeah, no, it's I like, think the same wow. thing. I'm like... I'm like, it, it, life, one thing I've discovered as I've gotten older is life doesn't necessarily, like, I, I know in my 20s, I put a lot of pressure on myself for what my life was supposed to look like, right? And a lot of that was good because I created a good life, but at the same time, like, I was hard worker and I had a business and I built it up and all these different things. But as I've gotten older, I've realized, like, the beauty is in the things that we don't control, yet we have intention behind what direction we're going to take it. So no matter what comes at us, even if it's not what we intended to come at us, the result still ends up being where you want to be as far as how you are mentally, emotionally, physically, everything else. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's, I just, you know, I think that's really cool. So you do this with your kids every morning and then, um, what, what else is part of your routine, I guess, to keep you in this top CEO mindset? Yeah. Great question. So first of all, I mean, following what other CEOs do and asking them, like, what are your, tell me a little bit about how you make your executive meetings top notch. Tell me how you're aligning your executive teams. What are you doing in the morning? What are you reading? How are you doing it? Like, I love Tony Robbins' routine. I love how, I don't have a nice cold pool to go jump into, but I take cold showers, you know, uh, to shock my body. I read global news for about 15 minutes. I do language learning for usually five minutes. I read Proverbs almost every day. I love Proverbs in the, in the Bible. I read about masonry. I'm a, I'm a mason, so... 
I love reading about that. I, I like intentionally am challenging myself to grow. You know, see some of these things right here. How do I seek wisdom? I'm not trying to seek knowledge or experience, right? Knowledge and experience transformed over time turn into wisdom. So, I, you know, I do some meditation. I have probably five or six real mentors and I shuffle through them actually and I pull value from them at different times and I, and I ask them if I can lean on them. Mm -hmm. Hey, can I call you for this? Or I might reach out to you. Like it means a lot to me. Well, and something you did, there was somebody that you wanted to learn that you wanted to learn from that's a friend of mine and you reached out to me uh, if you remember this about yeah. a year ago and you said, hey, yeah. I want to meet this person. You were, and we set up a lunch, made it happen and, mm -hmm. you know, mentored you a little bit on some personal issues and business things you were going through at that time. Yeah, absolutely. And a shout out to Dave Bateman. <laughs> he's, <you> man, <laughs> you know, he's awesome i'm so grateful for that introduction and it adds a ton of value and um so yeah mentoring i read i try to read a couple books a month and they're specific they're i mean i'm intentional about the knowledge i want to gain through these books um we have we have books here at the company that we're reading for culture and for customer experience and, and internal culture we have team or books that we read as an executive team uh, right now we're reading the advantage which is the book that satya nadella runs microsoft on which came highly recommended by another uh, CEO, Frank Maylett, who runs uh, RisePoint locally. Last year, he was the CEO of the year in Utah. Mm. So I said, hey, how do you run your team? Like, what do you do? What do you, where are you learning? He's like, well, oh, you need this book. Well, even at Silicon Slopes, you set up a booth, and then you interviewed every CEO you could get your hands on. Yeah. You literally sat down with them for 10 minutes or mm -hmm. whatever. And Yeah, that was awesome. It was a lot of fun. I mean, you were asking, what's the difference that makes the difference? What advice would you give your 20-year-old self? We, we, we made it fun, too. We're like, should pizza have pineapple on it? I say, no way. Any type of fruit on pizza is weird. <laughs> so you're just kind of having fun yeah. with it, but getting to know them a little yeah. bit more. Yeah, yeah. So what are some of the things that you like to do here at your business? Because you guys have a really good culture. You've mm -hmm. set up, is it this giving back that creates this great culture? What other things mm -hmm. do you do here as a business owner that you can share with people? Yeah, first and foremost, people want to work for a purpose. Like they really do. We we have we're recruiting some of the best people in the world to come and work at our company and they're taking big pay cuts because they believe in our vision. They believe in where we're going. And I think recruiting is the most important thing. Like I'm I'm a huge college football fan, so I look at what Urban Meyer and Nick Saban do and I think about that with intention here in the company. Like mm -hmm. who am I recruiting? If they come to our campus, so to speak, why would they want to be with us? Why would they want to grow with us? So the, the purpose, the why, uh, and what we're doing is first and foremost really critical. The benefits and stuff that we that we tack on, we're as competitive as any company here in the state. I'm talking Domo and Qualtrics and, and Trotta and all of them from a benefit standpoint. But we make it fun. I mean, we have company haircuts. We have company massages. Um, every month, haircuts, massages. We do uh, we do rewards. Do you guys like give each other haircuts and each other massages? <laughs> <laughs> we should actually open that up. It's like a Tony, if anyone's ever been to a Tony Robbins event, there, right. you, I hate that. Every time they're like, all right, everybody massage each other. And you got like four <laughs> random strangers rubbing you down. It's just, yeah. I'm like, this is my Me Too moment. <laughs> I know. I thought that when I first went too. Like, man, this is. I don't know who you are. Yeah, You're just massaging no, my legs. You can always right see now. the guys creeping on the pretty ladies and stuff. But <laughs> <Yeah>. anyway, <laughs> so we have uh, some other things. We have one of my favorite is we have rewards for the best prank of the month. And this gets competitive because the rewards are nice. They're nice what's, dinners. What, what's the best prank you guys have ever pulled here at the office? Oh man, we've had <laughs> we had one last month where uh, they were someone took. Um, uh, actually, well, that one's actually pretty good, but we've had people hoist dummies up in the air on a pulley 
And then when people walk into a door, they drop the they drop the pulley down, the dummy down, and scare them. And we've had people jump and fall down on the ground. We've had anything from like post-it notes all over the car to styrofoam in people's cars. A little was this inspired from like Jim and Dwight on The Office or what? Oh, I love The Office and I love the dynamic of Jim and Dwight. There's a Dwight right there on my desk. There actually. you go. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So I think just um, this concept of uh, in my value system. Playfulness and fun is my third value. God, faith, you know, um, is number one. Love and passion, passion being just energy and everything I do. But playfulness and fun is number three. Mm. And Play, I did the value thing at Date with Destiny. The yeah, which you did, exactly. That. Playfulness uh-huh. is number four for me. Awesome. I think it's a yeah. very underrated quality. Um, in fact, part of my mission statement for my life um, is... Uh, through my playful soul is the yeah. way I describe it. I, I think it's a great quote. So tell us how that one, why that one's so important to you. Yeah, and you talked about your personal mission statement. Here's mine. I, Cody, see, hear, feel, and know that the purpose of my life is to fill my heart with God's grace, bring passion, love, and fun to everything while being a servant, leader, connector, and friend to all. So this concept of bringing fun to everything, I just think life is so much better if you're laughing and you're having fun. Like, you know, laugh more, worry less. I mean, there's everyone's going to freak out and worry over things, but I think it's that the whole uh, concept of life is, you know, 10% what happens, but 90% the way you respond to it. Like, we all have a decision of how we handle things yeah. and how we respond to it. And I choose joy, I choose happiness, I choose fun, I choose laughter. And when I need to kick some ass here, and I need to talk about expectations and accountability and performance, absolutely. I'll switch into this this different... Well, and I think it carries a, a better weight too, right? When you're like, you know, you, people know like, oh, now it's time to get serious. Like, yeah. But yet you want to create an atmosphere where people feel comfortable. They're not... There's no shame behind what you're doing and there's no risk. Like walking on eggshells. I, mm-hmm. I think I've... What, I've tried to create this really fun life as well for everybody around me. And I think part of it went back to when I was a kid. I hated, hated it. Like it was like, gives me like the EBGVs right now, going to a friend's house and like his dad was that really uncomfortable, mean guy and you didn't <laughs> want to be there, but like he had the best Nintendo games or whatever. And so that's where you hung out. I just hated that feeling. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. We all had that house we would go to of our yeah. friends and I just never want, I'm like, I will do anything to avoid that in my <laughs> life. And so I try to create a very safe environment anytime for anybody. Yeah, and that really resonates. And to kind of go back here to the company, I mean, we, we just really try to have a lot of fun. I bring in I, one of my favorite things to do. I'm a bow hunter, so I love hunting uh, with my bow. I like hunt elk and deer, and I bring in my elk bugle. And I will record and literally scare people randomly with my elk bugle. Just go up and bugle right behind them and capture it on video. <laughs> or I'll bring in, I have a, I have a portable leaf blower. <laughs> I'll just go up and turn the leaf blower on them and just paper will fly off their desk and stuff. They're like, this is awesome. I'm really <laughs> yeah, trying to get this, this work done. Got boss. a deadline for you here, yeah. buddy. But yeah, but it's <laughs> um, awesome though. Yeah, it just it just brings in um, just, just this energy of, you know, I think everybody wants to feel like they're 12. You know, some of those exercises I did at Tony Robbins was he was like, you, you really get inside yourself, inside your body and your spirit and your mind when you're meditating. He takes you back when you're five years old. What are you doing? And, and what you say is, I'm playing with my friends and I'm having fun. He's like, what are you doing at 10? You're like, I'm still playing with my friends and I'm having fun. What are you doing at 18? I'm actually still playing with my friends and having fun. And then when you start to move into this adult life, responsibilities start coming up, deadlines, you know, all these things that what people people can call as stresses. I like to call them challenges and opportunities. Um, they creep in and we stop having fun and we stop playing with our friends. Mm. 
But that's all we want in our heart, really, is to have fun and play with our friends. So I think it's important. I try to bring out the inner 12-year-old with everybody here. Because sometimes I'll tell people that, you know, I'm, I'm a 37 going on 12. <laughs> like, yeah, I always say I'm the most, I'm the most mature 14-year-old you'll ever meet. That's <laughs> right. the way I like to describe it. Yeah, I, I, I love that about you. And I love that about uh, just the culture that we create here. Because people feed into it. For sure. They're kind of timid at first. Like, I don't know, just be a professional and rigid. Like, no. You will be rewarded if you have the best prank. You will be rewarded. Well, people are most productive when they're happy. You're happy yeah. when you're carefree and having fun, right? Absolutely. And it, it really does. You, you, give them, you give them a purpose to chase. You give them very clear career path, what it looks like for them in two, three, four years. Um, promotion opportunities, salary bumps, bonuses. And then you give them a framework of, of this is what you do every day. This is what you're accountable to. These are your expectations. Oh, and by the way, if we hit our goals, we're all going on a cruise this year. You know, so just like yeah. really wrapping everybody. And then you give them autonomy. Like, hey, you have, you're amazing. Your skill sets are way better than mine in these areas. I need you to go work your magic. I need you to go make the company better. Get out there and do it. Just give them autonomy and freedom. No, I love that. They'll, they'll go to war for you, man. Well, it's empowering for them to, to, to be able to do that. So last thing I want to talk about, and then we'll get this wrapped up, is um, you recently spoke at the University of Utah. You do this quite a bit. Yeah. Um, what... And I love this because you were basically giving advice to the college kids. Share that for people here on the podcast. What advice did you give them or what kind of lessons did you try to teach in that moment that you can kind of help give here as well? Yeah, that was an honor. I mean, I was the keynote speaker at the Business Career Conference. So they had two auditoriums full of uh, around 600 people total, 300 in each room. And I went up and spoke to the students about five tips to finding and becoming your best, the best, a version of you. So give, because, us, give us those as yeah, because when, you, when you're done with college or actually any moment in life, you can really get sidetracked. You can get out of balance and you don't know your true north. You don't know the north that you want to go to and you get lost a little bit. So understanding a vision for your life, like where, where you're pulling passion from, like what are you passionate about, really? Mining that, figuring it out and harnessing it and then creating a vision and a roadmap of where you want to go. And, and t- talking to them about vision and vivid and mapping. And there's a big part of my first slide is like, find your passion, create vision. I dig heavily into affirmations, goals, and vision boards. And, and moments, like vividly describing those moments. Mm. I talk about being, fear- being fearless and taking risks. And what it means to actually fail fast, fail more, fail, o- fail all the time. Fail, because that means you're learning, right? I talk about surrounding yourself with the right people. And being intentional, again, that word about who you're with, why you're with them, and what you're doing, what you're trying to learn, plugging yourself in the right in networks and communities and environments of people you aspire to be like. I was like, hey, you want, you want to get smart? Go to the library. You want to change your life? Go to Harvard or Wharton, right? Right? Why? Because yeah. of the network. Yeah. Yeah. So how can you actually start networking with those people without paying 200 grand to go get an MBA? You might not even get in. You can do it. You just have to think. Mm-hmm. You got to think about where you're, where you're going. So uh, surround yourself with the people you aspire to be like. Tony Robbins calls that social currency. What's your social currency like? Um, constant, never-ending improvement. You know, it's talking about improvement, like improving. How am I improving? How am I getting better? What am I reading? Who am I watching? Am I listening to the Jimmy Rex podcast regularly? <laughs> am I... Seriously, like the, the, the value you bring here is awesome. Um... Am I, uh, am I challenging myself to grow? How am I different 
this month, this year than I was last year? Am I really growing? Am I stagnant? Am I flat? Um, am I doing things different? So, wow. and then the last one is uh, serve others. Um, be kind. Serve others. Get outside of yourself. When you when you when you focus, you know, ego is the enemy. And but when you're focused on others and giving, pro- providing value to others, and that is authentic and it's real, then um, yeah, man, that's like the secret to living is giving. Is giving I love back. It. that contribution Absolutely. piece. Yeah, contribution. So, I talk to the students basically about those five pieces, um, and then some. Some I use four D principles: desire, drive, discipline, and determination. Those four things. And I talk about Michael Jordan, who's one of my favorite athletes, and he has a quote about like I I missed the game-winning shot 28 times, I failed, I didn't make the high school team, I let my teammates down, and I did it over and over and over again, and that's why I'm successful. So he embraces failure, you know? And then at the end, I tell everyone out there, I, I will personally mentor three of you for a whole year. I'll meet with you quarterly to hold you accountable to your goals and dreams and visions. And what I need you to do is write down 15 affirmations, write down your three year goals, and create a vision board and send it to me. You got three weeks. Now, the sad thing is I'll only have 40 or 50 or 60 people respond, less than 10% of this whole class. So you guys, by show of hands, I'd ask everybody, by show of hands, how many people have spent more than, this was on a Friday, Mm -hmm. more than four hours here on social media this week? Everybody in the room. I said, what's sad, right? And I'll hit you with a truth bomb right now is you guys are spending more time scanning other people's lives than putting a magnifying glass on your own life. Wow. And mapping it and being intentional about it. What if you didn't do social media for two weeks and you only focused on your affirmations, goals, and vision boards? And then you had me as a mentor to help help you for the next year. I'll meet with you quarterly. That's the most valuable thing I can give you is my time. And so what happens is I create a funnel. And this goes back to the word intention and the people I want to surround myself with. Because I start shaking the funnel and guess who comes out? The most elite, top performers in the business school. And I'm receiving loads of emails right now. And sometimes I share them on my IG stories and stuff of these people that are like talking about the conference and how awesome it was. And and then they're submitting these unbelievable vision boards and dreams and goals. And it just literally gets me emotional thinking about people that really are trying to chase down their dreams. They're trying to learn how to do it. And I just gave them a roadmap to help them figure it out. Um, and then uh, I'll pick three people, and those people, I promise you, will be friends for life. One of, the, one of the guys, I don't know if you remember this or not, one of the 5K races that we did was for Hunter Gurney. And Hunter was a student up at the University of yeah, Utah. Yeah, his dad was... His dad had prostate or uh, pancreatic cancer. He came to me after the conference, bawling, so sad. He didn't know what to do. His brothers lived out of state. He's like, I don't know what to do. And I said, we're going to honor your dad. We're going to honor your family. We're going to help you offset some of these medical costs. Let's do a superhero 5K race. Teamed up with you. We raised this kid $38,000. I know. That was awesome. And to this day, I still get notes from his mom. <laughs> I, I just had lunch with him two weeks ago. And this kid's a winner. And so what's really neat is I've done this for three years now. And the students that I've mentored, I promise they'll be friends for life. And I can let. I almost started another business with one of these. Well, one of these students because he's so sharp, you know. Well, so. and that's the power of giving back and everything else. I think that's a testament to you, and that's basically what you've always done. So, dude, I got so much out of this. I'm gonna have to listen to it two or three more times myself. Awesome, um, yeah. Great stuff. If any of you guys, we'll put some links to some of the stuff you got going on, and 
uh, if people want to learn more about all this. But, dude, I appreciate you, man. Keep keep kicking butt. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you again for listening to the We Are The They podcast. If you have more questions about this group or joining this community of amazing men, by the way, we do have women in the group as well. As of now, it's just the wives and girlfriends that are connected to the men in the group, but we hope to be expanding that soon. That's called the, the Queen's Edition of the program, but you can check us out on wearethetheymovement.com or check out our Instagram, We Are The They. And we would love to hear back from you. If you're interested in applying to be a part of this group, just go again to wearethetheymovement.com.